0: Another Way to Play, Episode 62.
1: Every crisis creates unprecedented opportunities as well. It's just the way it works. This is Rick Cunningham, founder of the Cunningham Group. If you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with good friend Hans.
2: Welcome to another way to play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is another way to play with your host, Hans Struzina.
0: This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone that I'm really excited to bring on. I know I've said that in the past, but this guy is a real awesome person in my life that I am able to call a friend, call a mentor, and uh, someone that I'm very proud to be in business with. It's Rick Cunningham, owner of the Cunningham Group. Rick, over a pretty substantial career. Has started out as a realtor down in Southern California, hit the Beverly Hills top 10 agents list, was recruited to Keller Williams, where he founded the Cunningham Group, led that onto a number of top accolades, and ultimately has created ownership. In multiple Keller Williams franchises, including Santa Monica, Newport Estates, L.A. Brentwood, San Francisco, Half Moon Bay, Alameda, Burlingame, just to name a few. He has an agent base of over 1,450 residential and commercial agents with $4.5 billion in cumulative sales. Rick has also opened up many other complementary businesses, including title, escrow servicing, attorney services, real estate staffing, uh, and actually a coffee shop to house a lot of his real estate related ventures. We get into all of that as well as some very pointed conversation about the COVID crisis that we're all facing. He gives some fantastic advice to anybody who's facing a challenge, whether it's in the COVID era or beyond it. He talks about his one, three, five, three, one framework uh, for uh, creating a roadmap for yourself because he says, generally speaking, when people don't take action and when they hold back, it's because they don't know where they're trying to go. So he talks about creating that roadmap, using that framework, and then getting into action as soon as possible. He's one of these guys who wants to make several mistakes, move forward, course correct, and keep going. Rather than just try and make one good decision right out of the gate, he's willing to take nine wrong decisions to get to that 10th right one. And we get into that psychology as well as some of the practical applications during the conversation. If you get value out of this episode, guys, I would really appreciate you leaving me a rating and review over on iTunes. It really helps me grow the show, gives me critical feedback on how to keep getting better and how to just keep bringing value on the show so thanks in advance for taking care of that and now let's get into it with my friend Rick Cunningham. Rick thank you so much for being on the show today really excited to have you on.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Before we get into all the cool stuff you're doing and all the advice that we kind of talked about with the COVID crisis, because we're recording this right in the middle of it, why don't you give the uh, audience a little bit of background on you, just kind of talk about where your journey began and how you got to where you're at today.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, I really started being an entrepreneur in, in the real estate sector out of uh, business school. I always knew that I was going to own a real estate companies, So that was my goal, getting out of uh, grad school. And I have kind of parlayed that and over time. I've used my real estate company to start building on additional revenue streams by adding to it. So different businesses, such as in the mortgage space, the title, escrow, we've even developed a marketing company, a technology company. And then we've even launched as of recently into owning coffee shops because a coffee shop isn't standalone. It's integrated as a business model for the real estate and a kind of a, a vision of the, what the future real estate company would look like with integrated services built right into it. In fact, I have my insurance companies sit right inside my coffee shops as well. So we're not only building those companies, but now soon to be franchising businesses nationwide as well.
0: So you started pretty much right out of the gate knowing that the real estate space and then extrapolating that out, all of the ancillary businesses and some of those things were a direction you wanted to go. But in the very, very beginning, why real estate?
1: Real estate, number one, I saw it as it's an industry that has been antiquated. And I knew that I could come in and really take hold and do really well in this space. And I thought I could bring in my, um, not only my expertise, but my background and, and really make a difference. And I like helping people. And I thought that not only helping my clients when I sold real estate, but really like even when building a brokerage business, you know, my goal has always been like, how can I help my agents and teach them how to be successful and then, and model that behavior and then allow them to prosper and grow and build really big businesses. So I've, I've always had that philosophy. And then now how do we get paid not once in a transaction, but how do we get paid multiple times in the transaction? And I teach my agents that as well.
0: I love that philosophy because you're right. The antiquated model, which whether it's real estate or some other business always breeds opportunity. And it sounds like you saw that right out of the gate and have just taken it and run with it.
1: Yeah. And again, it's, The amount of billions of dollars of capital coming in from the tech space alone coming into real estate tells you how antiquated that business is and and other businesses as well. It's not just real estate. Think about the title business has really contracted and really changed because of tech integration. Escrow is also archaic the way it processes deals. And so, so those things will all change over time with the adoption. Again, tech is integrating into almost every sector of the economy. And our sector, you know, was always going to be part of that, and so you see that integration right now in the amount of capital being brought into it because changes needed to be made, and um, and a lot of them are for the good. Some of them are for the good, but but a lot of them are for the good. You know, if it's good for the consumer, it's good for our industry at, all, at large.
0: I think that that's a really core belief to hold ultimately at the end of the day because whether it's real estate or some other industry, a lot of the times people want to protect. What's what has been right, like the old way of doing business, and I think for anyone listening to this show, one of the biggest pieces of advice going forward in your life is considering what's best for your client, your customer, your end user, and really moving in that direction. And that, I think, that simple concept can take you into a lot of different directions. It sounds like it—you uh, just gave your coffee shop reference—that's taking you into a very different place than I imagine you—you you thought yeah. you were going to be in.
1: Yeah, what got you to where you're at is not going to get you to where you're going. And there's some great books out there. Someone moved my cheese. There's a book out there right now. It's very relevant. You know, those people who are going to think that the the way real estate or any other business was done prior to the last 30 days, a lot of almost every business is going to be forever changed. Some for the good and some for the worse. And and those that adapt quickly and pivot are going to be the ones that can disproportionately take advantage of opportunities, growth opportunities, market share, whatever it might be. You could be a grocery store or a restaurant or a real estate company. Every business has the opportunity to move itself forward and look at what the future will be and move themselves there as quick as possible and capitalize on where the business is going to be and not reflect on wanting to go back to where it is because it's not going to go backward. It's only going to go forward.
0: So yeah, holding on to that old way of doing things, as you said, it's not going to get you to where you want to be. Like I said, before we started recording, normally we kind of go through a bit of a story here, but I want to just fast forward to where we're at today because I think it's so relevant. Some of the stuff that you and I were just talking about before we hit record and what is happening in our market today. We're in April 3rd, 2020 for reference and there's a lot of things changing and shifting all the time. And you have a bit of a different view than most because of how many businesses you're involved in up and down the West coast of California and Hawaii and, and all these different places. So can you just start with a very high level of kind of some of what you're seeing in the brokerages and the different businesses you're involved in, and then what your or you're, you might be pivoting towards the advice you're giving to people on the ground.
1: What I'm seeing is with shelters in place and different requirements, whether, whether people fall under state mandated um, shelter in place or local jurisdiction has much more rigid guidelines. I mean, it, it really is gonna impact not only the brokerage community, but it's impacting homeowners. I mean, there's people that need and absolutely have to sell their house and we're in a little bit of a paralysis on how to actually get it done sometimes, or at least a lot of people believe that to be true. The reality is different the reality is you just have to figure out what can we do and how can we get it done without doing things that are going to be you know breaking the law or doing something that is going to endanger people or put people's lives at risk and when we're talking about very high stakes we're talking about the reason why the regulations are in place right now is because this is a pandemic with incredible and aggressive growth rates and our system is not set up to be able to handle that and And first and foremost, we should be stewards as real estate agents, we should be stewards of our community, and we should be upholding the highest level and being there to help them and support them, but also making sure that we don't um, disobey the rules. But when I look at a macro level of what's really happening, there's interesting perspectives that I'm seeing. There's more deals than I would have thought are happening. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting which agents are actually taking advantage of this market. So just like I was saying about, taking market share, those agents that are saying, we can't show the property, but this is what can happen and pivoting and using the seller for what needs to be done where, where, an agent can't be on site or a photographer cannot be on the property. Look at, we're just going to have to take zoom photos and we're going to have to do this. And we're going to have to have you walk around the property. And, and that's the way I can get it sold right now. So it's, what can I do? and What can I do? And then making sure that your marketing and what you represent, like Right now, communication is the number one thing. You look at the leadership in any segment right now, there's leaders and there's non-leaders. And the leaders are really rising up. And the one thing that sets leaders apart from everybody else is in times of crisis, it's about communicating and over-communicating. And people would rather hear bad news than not hear anything. So if you're just direct and allow them to trust you and reassure them about where things are going to be fine and safe and where they can run their business and then give them hope. You know, part of it is in leadership too, is not only being clear and communicating, but also give them a little bit of hope about the future and ways that they can get to thrive in an environment like this. Because every crisis creates unprecedented opportunities as well. It's just the way it works.
0: So much good stuff in that. So thank you for sharing, first of all. I want to back up just for a second to something that you've dropped in a couple of times here, which is what can be done. That is just as much a mindset as it is sort of a boots on the ground or in your house at the moment because we're all sheltering in place uh, tactic as anything else, right? So what can be done? Looking at things as an opportunity, it's the kind of the classic glass half full versus half empty thing. How are you... Um, in your businesses uh, working to, to view things as those opportunities and figuring out what can be done versus what cannot?
1: I'll shift gears a little bit and talk about my coffee shops. I had coffee shops that opened a week earlier and then we literally had to lay off our staff, but then we pulled some staff back and we're literally running almost a bit of a grocery store, like come get your coffee and get your basic supplies. That was never in my business model, but I pivoted as quickly as I could because there was a demand and a need and people don't want us go to a big grocery store and stand in line. We can't have them sit down in the restaurant, but they're still coming in to get coffee. And while they're getting coffee, we can package up a dozen eggs and we can package up, you know, some milk for them and things like that. So what we can't do is allow them reach into a bin and pick out an apple out of a group because then you can contaminate touch to touch. So we've right. we've looked at what are the rules, but what can we do? And then we're gonna pivot and then what marketing do we put in place? so that our business could succeed forward in a time versus just shut down. So we literally have to stop and say, what's the challenge? What's the opportunity? Where is there a need and a demand? And how do we put ourselves in that position to benefit from where that need is? And we fulfilled that. And we have literally sold out our merchandise. And we're a trusted resource for some of our consumers. And yet, down the street, somebody from the grocery store, like the cashier, tested positive. So that scared people away from that too. And so we take as many precautions as we absolutely can. And we've pivoted that business in real estate, the same thing in real estate. It's about like doing listing appointments by zoom calls and sending your paperwork over to get signed up is frankly much more efficient. It's much quicker. You don't have to put together a listing presentation and do all the printing and the collating and, and then driving over to their house and getting dressed up and then doing the appointment and going back home. I mean, you're talking about two hours of time, at least maybe three hours. And now on a zoom call, you can set it up and do it. And, you know, 50 minutes later, you've got a signed agreement. There's great efficiencies that we're seeing coming out of this that I think will forever change for the people who are doing it right. Why do we have to go to the house unless it's doing, you know, if we have to go see the house to help really give a better assessment on price. But comps are becoming easier for us in general through asking better and better questions remotely, which I think we're raising that skill level right now. And as part of our commitment and leadership is to keep training our people like, okay, because you can't be there, what questions do we need to ask now so we really understand what is the product that we're selling? Because we're not selling widgets. We're selling custom individual things that every single one is different. You can be in a housing track, but if you face East versus West, it can make a difference in the price because the swimming pool is gonna be in the backyard in full sun, or it could be on the other side in late shade, right? So it can be different even if the houses look very similar Is it on the corner or is it not? Like there always are differences. And so it's about asking better questions and getting to better results. So you can do more things virtually and be more efficient. I do more leadership calls now that touch more people directly and create more efficiencies for my life where I can spend more time on aggregating data and then providing it through a resource. And there's no reason why agents shouldn't be doing more of that. They should be moving their business more and more towards information gathering and information dissemination to their client base so their clients trust them and know that they have the pulse on what's happening In a very changing and very quick market. And and those agents that are doing that right now are disproportionately being rewarded with listing opportunities and they're not in paralysis. They're not, you know, stepping outside of bounds. They're actually staying in bounds and doing it in an effective manner. The people who are jumping out of bounds may do it here and there, but consumers and other agents and everything are criticizing them. If they're not doing it correctly, there's too much at stake. And those people, those agents are losing um, their reputations and things like that because they're not respecting what the rules are and a lot of the consumers and their neighbors all know what the rules are and all the neighbors are home watching what's going on. So if agents are doing things like showings and the consumers across the street know that that can't be happening, it's going to say that's not an agent I can trust. And so those agents that are doing things like that, maybe they do do an extra sale right then, but they're going to lose those next five sales because of what they're doing. So they're not playing the long game. They're playing a very short game. So either it's ignorance and they're not staying on top of it, or they're calculating the risk and just doing what they care to to put money on the table now. And those agents are playing a very short game.
0: I'm struck by, and I I imagine anyone listening to this is your mindset. And that's something we talk about a lot on the show. And I want to just kind of lift up to that high level for just a second, because I think it's so critical to protect in this moment, in any moment, but especially in this moment. How have you defined and protected and built a mindset for yourself? Because you just spent the last 10 or 15 minutes talking about seeing opportunities, staying in bounds and, and being disproportionately rewarded for it. Like not everybody will see this as such. They'll see this as an opportunity to get in the fetal position and get in a dark corner how have you developed that for yourself and how do you go about doing it on a daily basis, especially in moments like this?
1: Well, number one, I don't let people impact me negatively because there are people that if you surround yourself with those people or just watch the news too much, you can go into paralysis and things like that. If people go there, change your environment, change who's around you. I don't let people impact me in a negative way. I stay focused on the opportunity For me, I always tend to live in the present or frankly, more in the future than even the present. And I'm always trying to look ahead on what's going to happen and why. And so I I think about the strategy because of this happening, this is going to happen. So I kind of predict what's going to happen because of different things that I can or cannot control. The things I can't control, I also don't dwell on what I can't control. I can understand it. And so I do an exercise called the 13531. I think it's a great exercise. What is my one goal? It doesn't have to be in one area, but what is my one goal in my health? Or what's one goal in my business? And there's a great book called The One Thing by Gary Keller, which is just amazing. And it's all about this. And some people know this as GPS. What is the one goal? And then what are the three priorities? And then what are the five strategies? And then what are the three obstacles that could get in my way that could prevent me from getting it. And then what am I going to do to overcome? If that obstacle hits me, what am I going to do to go around it to still achieve the one goal? And so it's a great quick exercise to kind of like roadmap it because here's the thing, people go into paralysis because they don't have a map. If you're lost in the woods, you don't know where you're going. But if you have a map, even if you're lost in the woods, you don't have that same kind of paralysis. So the reality is a roadmap is key. A roadmap in your business is no different from having a roadmap in your car. And this is crazy. This is the difference between millennials, I think. Literally, if they don't have their phone charged and their phone goes out, they don't even know how to look for road signs. It could be <laughs> like, literally, I look at streets. It could be, you know, one through, you know, block one through 50. They're like, oh my God, I can't find my way. I'm like, it's in sequential order. Like block number 24 yeah. is after block number 23, right? Like, And you can look at the road signs and see it's like in the 400 block and 500 block, right? but I grew up in a world where I had to drive around the city without Google maps showing me. Right. So it's different. It's like that same kind of like paralysis can happen when you don't have what you're used to in a roadmap kind of situation.
0: Absolutely. That one, three, five, three, one exercise is a fantastic. I've never heard it put that way. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because I find that to be so valuable because the roadmap is critical and, and, you know, on a practical level, that exercise or one like it will help protect your mindset. Cause you're right. It's those moments of uncertainty and insecurity that you generally freeze up and then don't act when moments like this, but there are many, even in up markets where you have those opportunities. And if you just knew where to go, taking some action, you would probably be better off than sitting still.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people don't go all the way through to the backside of it, the three-way You know, where it's like, it goes one, three, five, but the three, one is just as important because I anticipate challenges because I know that things aren't always going to be perfect, right? Like I'm never Mm -hmm. always going to, in fact, I make more mistakes than anybody, but I make quicker and faster decisions faster than almost anybody. And that's the difference between my leadership and other people is I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I'm afraid to not move quick enough. And so when people are around me or work with me, I would rather have them make a completely wrong decision than not make a decision. Because if I have to make the decision for them and they always feel like I have to jump in to get it right, then they will not be in business with me because I would rather support someone to grow through mistakes where they're going to learn more than not make decisions. And those leaders that think that they're leading and have to have their hand on everything are not leaders or they haven't learned to allow people to make mistakes. I'd rather allow them to make a mistake and then go back and not get mad, but instead use it as a learning opportunity and say, how could we have done this differently? What other data should we have been able to look at to see this to make a different decision that would have not put us where we are and would have got us a better result? What can we now put in place so we don't repeat it? Because the one thing where I do have a challenge is when the same mistakes get made again and again in the same area. That's a problem.
0: Absolutely. How do you instill that culture? Because I I think that's pretty counter to what most people would think. By that, I mean, culture of like, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them and you keep growing. And obviously, if it keeps coming up, that's a problem. But like, how do you do that? Because I think, at least with my generation, the people around me, it's got to be perfect first try. You know, same thing with school. You had to get it right on the test or you failed. Like, how do you fight that? And how do you hold that up every single day?
1: Yeah, I'm completely the opposite. I'd rather have them not get it right, but take action quickly and move it forward. And then we, it's kind of like an airplane, right? When you're going from the East Coast to the West Coast, that plane is going like this all the time. It's never, it's never going straight from A to B. It's always course correcting and moving. But if you don't get the plane off the ground, it doesn't matter what kind of perfect plan you have. And I watch people worried about perfection versus worried about taking action. And the difference with me is I set specific parameters for people about what they should be fully making the decisions on and what are the few things that they have to come to me to make the decisions where it could have catastrophic mistakes. Like if they're not used to hiring or firing staff, then I need to be able to jump in and spend my time to help them through that, to teach them through that process, not do it for them, but teach them through it side by side. So over time, then they do have it. And then all of a sudden they don't have to use me for that. But until things that are really important are transferred in knowledge base to those people, then those items I have. When it comes to -to day-to-day operations, I'm expecting they're making their own decisions to keep their role moving, once you're trained up. Part of it is, is I expect everybody when they're doing their job to also fully document the processes and what they do and what works and, and all that. So I never go back to zero for the next person that sits in that seat. And I always preface it by saying, look, if you want an opportunity with me and the world is limitless to work with me, but the only way you're gonna get opportunity with me is to make sure that you can fully train up your replacement, and the person coming in is absolutely able to sit in that seat and the business doesn't go backward while we create opportunity for you. So part of that is creating your own, whether it's an operations manual or the how-to and everything so it's well-documented. I should be able to put someone in that seat and they should be able to operate at an 80% rate if I had to do like a, like a substitute teacher. The curriculum is pretty well-structured <laughs> and set. I should be able to put in a sub and do 80% of the curriculum. You know, that's that same philosophy should happen for our businesses. And I don't care what business it is, read the manuals, try to understand it, get a little bit of on the go help here and there, and then operate at about an 80% level pretty quickly.
0: That's fantastic. As you were talking, my head went to a place of, you know, there's kind of the quality versus quantity argument here. And like the get it perfect, do the one thing perfectly right versus like make a bunch of decisions, learn from them and get the reps in it, making mistakes, correcting. And as you said with the plane analogy, course correcting from East Coast to West Coast. Where do you try and strike that balance between just quantity and like throwing a bunch of stuff at the fray and seeing what works and then learning from it versus trying to make one really good strategic decision?
1: I used to think trying to be a perfectionist because I can have that tendency sometimes. What I've realized, and I go to a different analogy, if I were going to spin clay and try to make a pot of a certain thing and, and do it, I can spin 10 pots quicker and make one more perfect than if you took one and trying to make it perfect from the beginning. Because out of my 10, one will frankly probably be better than the one that you make trying to be perfect. Because over time, I'm gonna learn, like the first ones are generally gonna not be the better ones. It's gonna be as I get later, but I'm doing speed, but I'm, I'm learning through that process. And by doing it with repetition and speed, it's gonna allow me to get to the more perfect finish by the end, and it's a very interesting way to look at it. And again, Spinning clay pots is a great analogy for this because I really believe that you would have a better product at the end by, by doing quick repetition and figuring out how to do things. Especially if you're doing something for the first time and trying to figure it out, you will have better success by trial and fail, trial, fail, and then eventually you will get it in about the same time.
0: I have one more question for you before we get to the end of the show. You've got this roadmap that you've built through the 1531. You have a philosophy of like, get some repetitions in quickly, obviously anticipate challenges ahead of time, but then face them and and make a pivot or make a course correction and just get repetitions in. The analysis paralysis, just getting started, like it's all predicated on that, right? Like people could sort of sit there on the sideline and whether they have the roadmap and whether they have um, this understanding that reps are going to get them there, but until they take that first one, it's all for nothing, right? How do you encourage people to actually take that first step and when does it make sense to take that first step for somebody
1: well i'll, I'll tell you when i built my first corporation and tried to do it, it was so foreign to me it seemed like such a big exercise and it seemed so daunting to build out a company and get the ein and form everything i needed to do to go and i was like oh you know i'll start a new company i'll do it i'll do it this afternoon like literally i've done it so many times now where what felt like it was so big and so daunting now is so easy and so fluid. It very much changes. So one thing that people should do is number one, take action. But the first thing they should do is ask someone who's done it before, find a mentor, ask someone, one of the agents who I really, really respect who came in this business and really just crushed it in all different areas. The one thing that he did really well was go around and say, I will drive or fly to wherever you are. If you'll give me an hour of time, and I'll buy you a lunch or dinner, whatever you want. I just want an hour to pick your brain and ask questions about how I can learn from you. I gave that guy an hour. You know, came down. He put himself up in the hotel. the whole thing. We did dinner for an hour. Sitting in about two and a half hours. And and again, what I did and give him my knowledge and my like my wisdom, and he picked ten people he thought he could learn from, and he just took the notes and he said. This is great information. And that was incredibly beneficial to him to then go build the businesses that he's created. He's learned a lot. Like we've all spent a lot of money making a lot of mistakes. Learn from people that have done it before you. There's roadmaps out there and these people will help you to create a roadmap.
0: Yeah, Real quick, how would you recommend identifying those people? Because especially with the internet age we're in, it's easy to be on Instagram or Facebook with a Lamborghini and pretending like you know what you're talking about. But what would you recommend to someone who's looking for that mentor or that advisor or the coach or whatever it is?
1: Just ask the people in your environment around you. Another person called me and it happened to be a relative. that told that person about me and the companies that I have. And so part of it is just who's your network? and who's actually shown success, right? Who actually owns companies that are doing well and who've actually, because most people in leadership roles wanna help other people too. Don't think just because they're at the top and they're so busy that like they're untouchable. The reality is not the case. There's people that I reach out to and say, hey, could I pick your brain? I'll go wherever and I'll fly and I'll listen to them. I spend time with my peers and people I really respect. Because I also reach out to them and say, hey, but I always come from contribution. The first thing I say to them, I'd love to pick your brain and do this, but I wanna know really what can I do for you? Because I wanna give you twice as much value as I would wanna take from you. So I come from a place of abundance, and I come from a place of I wanna do whatever I can to help them. And then I really follow through with thanking them for their time, sending them a thank you note, like, you know, just real gestures of, of kind of the lost art right now, which, you know, I feel that that communication isn't at the level that it felt like it used to be.
0: Absolutely. Well, Rick, this has been awesome. Thank you. I'm going to transition us to the last section of the show to respect the rest of your day, which is called the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Sure. First question. What book have you gifted most often? The one thing. By Gary Keller. Yes. By Gary Keller. Great book. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
1: Barack Obama. I think his wisdom and knowledge and his ability to really understand information and lead at a high level through empathy and understanding, but do it in a great leadership way to communicate bad and good at the same time, but do it in a way that feels like it touches people and can inspire hope and and things for the future.
0: What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? The speed at which I operate. (laughs) At that you're you're moving too fast?
1: That I move so fast I'm moving in too many directions.
0: Love it. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day?
1: Pre-COVID, I'll, I'll go to that. <laughs> Pre-COVID was, uh, was wake up, do uh, 30 minutes of emails, get to the gym um, four days a week, if not five days a week, and then spend time with kids and then not look at emails at all and get right into my, the most important things of my day and address that before 11 or 12 o'clock. And then the afternoon is usually filled with whatever appointments were set for the week. I focus on what I'm going to do to move my people and my businesses forward. My number one thing is to inspire and develop leadership every day. It's on my screensaver.
0: Fantastic thing to focus on every day. Rick, this has been awesome. What is the best place that the audience can connect with you online?
1: i um, probably online on, on Facebook, Rick Cunningham. In fact, Rick Opie Cunningham. Connect with me on Facebook.
0: Right on Facebook it is. I will drop that down into the show notes. So guys, you can shoot Rick a message, telling him that you heard him on the show, share some love with him. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been awesome. Really appreciate your time today. Sure, absolutely. And that's a wrap on today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully you got a lot out of Rick. I know I sure did. I've got all the contact information and and some more stuff down in the show notes about him. So feel free to pop down there, look him up on social media as well as some of his other businesses. You can find out what he's up to down there. And while you're down in the show notes, you can always go down to the very bottom, find my calendar link, get on my calendar And connect with me one-on-one because that is what I'm really enjoying most about the show is getting to know the people who are listening, learning how to make it a better experience and how I can keep providing value to you guys. So thanks in advance for those who've done that. Really looking forward to the people who have yet to book that. And uh, we're going to sign it off for today. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.
2: Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.